So just off the top of my head, I mean, some of the benefits, first off from a success rate, you know, published data would show that 92% of those that launch a franchise are still in business after a couple of years, which is less than 50% for non-franchise. You want to sell the business one day. What does that look like in franchising versus non-franchising? Well, there's been research done that shows, uh, you know, there's a study recently, they looked at 2000 transactions over a 10 year period and found that, uh, Franchises and like-kind industries to non-franchised traded at a multiple one and a half times non-franchise. Hey guys, it's Caleb Williams. Hey everybody, welcome to another amazing episode of the Bitter Wolf Podcast. I'm really excited about this episode because we're big fans of you investing in your number one asset, which is yourself. And whether you're someone who maybe wants to shift and, and leave your job, or whether you're looking for a new opportunity, or whether you want to uh, to invest, but you want to maybe be like a little more in control than putting your money into a fund or maybe even like a syndication, um, we are in for a treat. And I'm like the best podcasts are the ones where I'm naturally curious. And I think, John, when we first met, I was asking you so many questions and I wish that it was recorded because I am fascinated by franchises. I'm fascinated about how people can really take take the, that as a playbook and either work full time in it or invest through it. And uh, I'm just excited for for you coming on, I know that you've written a book. I know that you're you're an expert. Um, you you come on a lot of shows, and and you're nationally known for being an expert when it comes to non food franchises. And so, uh, with that, man, with the with the bar being set, welcome to the Better All Show, Caleb. No, appreciate the intro. Thanks for having me on. It's great to connect uh, with a good friend here, and uh, hopefully, we'll add a lot of value to your listeners. Amazing, amazing. So, like a ten thousand foot view before we jump into. Uh, franchise 101. Mm -hmm. How did you get into non-food fan franchises? And for the person that's like not even sure what we're talking about right now, can you give them like the overview framework of like what is a franchise and then why we're not talking about like Wendy's or Culver's and other, we're, we're talking about like there's other businesses that you can be involved in. And I think a lot of people just don't think about. Yeah. You know, like so many of your listeners, I spent many years in the corporate world and had a good run. Very thankful for the times there. But, um, you know, had that itch to do something a little more entrepreneurial and didn't know what it looked like. And so I kind of sidestepped into into what I'm doing now. You know, I didn't have it planned out, but um, left the corporate world, meaning large public company, stepped in with a private company that happened to be Shelf Genie Franchise System and had the opportunity to serve as their president and support our owners across North America on a daily basis. Shelf Genie is custom pull-out shelving for your kitchens and pantries. It's a nice little niche business. Um, but for me, that was the light bulb moment where I saw you know, so many people with different backgrounds being able to step away from their nine to five, from you know, working to build someone else's empire. You know, They had that desire to build their own and, and they're able to step in and, and do that. And we empowered them to do that and supported them. And so you know, they were in business for themselves, but not by themselves to be cliche on you. Um, and so for me, that was the light bulb moment. Ended up partnering with the founder of Shelf Genie. We spun off, we've invested in franchises ourselves. You know, I, so I've been a franchisor, I am a franchisee of a few brands. Um, you know, but about four or five years ago, I had, you know, just this desire to help others do the same. So, you know, I've got good people running my businesses for me and allows me to spend most of my time helping others do the same. Um, so I love getting out there educating and, um, you know, talking about franchising because I do think when I say the F word franchise, people think fast food. And yet there's this world of, <clears throat> of opportunities that exist. And like you said, I wrote a book called Non-Food Franchising. 
really to help people understand that you know their industries from home and property services to health and wellness to automotive businesses supporting kids pets seniors all these different areas oftentimes you interact with on a regular basis and don't realize they're a franchise so um, you know real quick note as far as fast food goes and food guys we need them we love them we want to support them um, my humble belief is there's just easier ways to make money outside of food lower capital requirements oftentimes fewer employees less operating hours higher margins due to less waste and so again we need the food guys it can be a great living for a lot of folks but for about 95 percent of our clients they come to us and say hey we want to look at other industries so so people come to you and they whether they have an idea or not and you help them like you're you're independent so you can work with people all across you're like a matchmaker for connecting people to franchises Exactly. So we represent over 600 different franchise brands. And you know, end of the day, there's probably 50 or 60 at any given time that I feel are the best of the best. And so, um, yeah, we get to know our client and then take them through a very streamlined process and eventually match them up with, hey, here are the top 10 or so opportunities in your market. If we're in your shoes, here's what we want to be looking at that's available in the market across different industries. Give them a lot of color on those opportunities. They narrow it down to three or four. We make introductions, kind of take them through the process. The um, it's very much like a real estate model. So our clients never pay us a nickel. We're essentially a buyer's agent. We're funded by the companies when placements happen. For them, it's a sales and marketing expense and nothing gets passed on. So it's a very clean model. Love what I do. And I've just had so many case studies of clients that, that we've been able to help over the years. I love it. I love it. So um, I'm a big fan of business. Obviously, we met through a mastermind and there's just amazing business owners. And I'm just, I'm just a fan of that system, but the statistics of people failing in business are incredible. And, and it, I, I wonder what, what's the difference between someone that has a proven model versus not, because even in, in our own business, I'm like, man, if I, if I think about this two word of opportunity cost and all the money that I've wasted because I've hired someone that I really didn't need to hire or we're spending our time and energy trying to figure out marketing and what works. or we're trying to figure out this offer and I enjoy it. And, you know, we've, we've had some successes. We've had, we've had failures. Um, but I look back and say, man, there's some days that I'm like, why am I doing this again? And the cool thing about franchise and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you are maybe spending maybe a little bit more money than you would if you just were doing this from scratch. But now you get a brand, so you don't have to spend the years of trying to build a brand. But more importantly, you get an operating system. And, and it's like plug and play. And I'm sure you have to put in the work and there's things that you need to learn. But I'm telling you, like you're almost buying a proven track record. And in some cases, brand that could be worth millions and millions of dollars if you were to try to build that from scratch. I would love to hear your thoughts. What did I miss? What are some other like points? Because I love to talk about pros and cons before we jump into all the exciting things of like, what are the potential cons? Because I see a lot of pros yeah. by, by getting into a franchise. Yeah. You know, I, I'm speaking at a conference next week and it's largely real estate investors. They're looking for other options because real estate's uh, there aren't too many good deals to be had right now. And talking about franchising as an alternative investment. And, you know, one thing I'm going to share with them, because these are all existing business owners. It's part of the entrepreneurs organization. Some of them are too entrepreneurial for franchising. You know, I'd say that can be a con. You know, if you want to put your thumbprints all over a business and, you know, it's your baby, then franchising may not be right for you. And I have to tell some of our clients that. 
but for the vast many, they, they, there's just a litany of uh, benefits that, that I think uh, you know can really support them. Um, yeah, the other con I'd say, like you said, I mean, there is a fee that you pay. You do have to pay ongoing royalties. Typically, around six or seven percent of gross income goes back to that franchisor for their support. And as you're looking at opportunities, you want to ask, hey, what value am I getting for those royalty streams that I'm paying? Because um, not, not every franchise system is created equal. Um, but there's so many benefits to the franchise system. And, and it could be that you have a vision of building out a portfolio of businesses over time. Well, I really think the first one or two in that portfolio, if you go the franchising route, it's going to give you a really good um, you know, just a playbook for how do you stand up a business? What steps do you need to take? What best practices exist out there? Um, and so just off the top of my head, I mean, some of the benefits... First off, from a success rate, you know, published data would show that 92% of those that launch a franchise are still in business after a couple of years, which is less than 50% for non-franchise. Now, I feel that number's high. You know, I do think, you know, so maybe haircut it a little bit. Still, your success rate is so much more valuable because you're on third base out of the gate. You know, it's there's product market fit in similar type markets. You know, there's a path to profitability. You're not having to question that. And really, when you go into the opportunity, you have some financials historically that you can build your pro forma off of. So there's fewer surprises, I would say. Um, you know, obviously, you've got the support of the franchisor on the sideline. They act as a coach for you. You also have other franchisees across North America. They're in the same system. They're living the same thing day in, day out. So you're constantly exchanging best practices with them, learning from them. Um, you know, you've got marketing data at scale. So the franchisor who's helping you with the marketing, it's not that you're having to optimize your marketing from day one because they've already optimized it. They're creating the content for you. It just allows you to step in and really execute versus having to do a lot of the work around the business. So you're able to get up and running and profitable oftentimes a lot faster. And then you can launch that next business. That That's very common. And, you know, one thing I get asked a lot about is, hey, you know, it's an investment. You want to sell the business one day. What does that look like in franchising versus non-franchising? Well, there's been research done that shows, uh, you know, there's a study recently, they looked at 2,000 transactions over a 10-year period and found that uh, franchises in like-kind industries to non-franchised traded at a multiple one and a half times non-franchise. So there's value seen yeah. in that potential buyer down the road as well. Because it's building in a market. Like it, the the definition of selling a franchise is like it's not your first rodeo. And I feel like so many people when they're wanting to buy and sell businesses, you have to establish a market. And then there's lots of inefficiencies, which can be a benefit, especially mm -hmm. if you're buying, but can be yeah. a, a lack of benefit if you're selling because there's there's not um, a, a super efficient um, demand out there, whereas in franchises, they, there's more efficiency. Yeah, no, I think that's well said. Um, so I, I want to now get into this concept of like investing um, because there are many people that listen to this podcast or, um, you know, are, are watching this on YouTube that are in two camps that I think could benefit from this message. Camp number one is they're high income, like high W2. They have a really good gig, but they're looking for alternative investments. Like they, they don't want to put all their money in Wall Street. A lot of our clients have tons, like hundreds of thousands of dollars in um, overfunded life insurance uh, for not as an investment to, but to literally capitalize on, on opportunities like, like this. And so they're either that or entrepreneurs that are crushing it in business, but they're like, okay, I, I need to put my money somewhere. And a lot of times they just put their money in real estate, but this is where, this is why I asked you to come on the show is I'm like, I think there's different ways to think about, about this. 
And I would love to hear like how you would invest, even if it's not going to be your full-time job. Because when I think of franchises, I think of Chick-fil-A and I think of other food franchises and, and rightfully so some of, some of their requirements is you have to work. Like you have to be behind the counter and do this thing, which good for them. But like, I'm out, like, I'm not, I'm not going to stop what I'm doing to, you know, go work at a franchise because I love what I'm doing. And so I, I understand that there's two camps of people, but I want to speak to the people that are loving what they're doing as, as their primary gig. And they're looking at franchises more as an investment yeah. and less as a job. Um, I want us to speak to that and then we'll speak to the people that want this as a job. Um, what are, what's your frameworks and what are like, I guess, walk me through the, the, I don't know what question to ask at this point, but I kind of set it up. Yeah, no. And I'd start by saying probably 80 to 90% of our clients invest in real estate too, myself included. So it's very common. You talk about the and asset, I'd say it's real estate in this case and franchising. Um, you know, and so it's good to have a blend and, and have that allocation, but, um, the majority of our clients are looking to do exactly what you described, the investment side. And, you know, ideally you're totally hands off and the business is running and cash flowing and you don't have any employees, right? I mean, that's what everybody wants. But when you look at franchising, because you have that franchisor support on the sideline, because you're not doing this entirely on your own, it really sets up a model in most cases where you can put a general manager in place to run the day-to-day -day operations. You know, it's got to be a good person, someone you trust, someone that works hard. But it takes a lot of the burden off of you in that they can go to the franchisor on a daily basis with their questions and their support needs. It doesn't all fall on you, the owner, as you're carrying on your high paid W-2 job. So as a result, we work with a lot of physicians and surgeons. We work with Wall Street attorneys. We work with bankers, guys that are and, and gals that are not looking to leave their day job. Um, but they want to keep that going and yeah, get something going on the side. So we call that semi-absentee or semi-passive. Some call it an executive model. But the whole idea is from day one, put that manager in place. They're running the business. Maybe you give them some phantom stock or a little bit of equity. Uh, you know, a lot of our clients will do that. In other cases, they just incentivize them well. But, um, you know, I, I do caveat it by saying, hey, you can have a great vehicle. You still have to have a good driver, you know, driving that vehicle. So, um, you know, the challenge is finding someone that you trust. And sometimes it's a brother-in-law that you put in place or some of our clients will use their child. Um, you know, but oftentimes it's going to the open market and saying, hey, you know, let's pluck someone. And this has been my experience too. I mean, we had a guy who was 27 recently. He's a CPA, but he has personality. He wanted a break free of the walls, you know, the four walls. And we gave him a fancy title and made him president of our driveway franchise here in Atlanta. And, you know, he just thrived in that. And, um, you know, titles are free. That's a little hack I've learned along the way, but, you know, incentivize them where the better the business does, the better they do and kind of aligns your interest in that. Yeah. And I just, my mind's going is like, we all know people that have so much potential, but they may need that, that different shift. And if you could be the person that maybe puts up the money for the franchise, bring someone in, especially if you could work through a phantom stock or a little bit of equity or upside, I think, I think most A players want autonomy upside. They, they want the ability to know that their work matters. And so that's, that's, that's amazing. And I'm assuming is that like when you said you had a couple franchises, if you're open, I would love to hear like what you are in or what are common franchises that people that would invest in real estate or in alternative investments. And they're like, I'm actually going to look at this franchise thing. Yeah. What are some of the franchises that people are investing in? And I know you can't give claims, um, but like what are typical returns? And, and I would imagine um, that if you invest in real estate, the pro to that is less maybe 
less upfront work. But I would imagine that a franchise, you know, and you can't make this claim, but probably would make more money long term um, once you get it up and running. And that's just a that's just a guess that I'm that I'm pulling out, just knowing knowing business and imagining the pros and cons of franchises versus real estate. I also asked like ten questions in a row, so um, yeah, that's, welcome to the Better Wolf. Yeah. Well, that, that way I can pick the questions I want to answer. Right? Yeah, that's right. No, <laughs> directionally, I'd say longer term. Yeah. Thinking about long term, you can probably make higher returns on average. You also probably put in a little more effort on average, you know, just to be fully transparent. But, yep. you know, some of our real estate investor clients, you know, some say, hey, you know, some will do single family and say, hey, we love the idea of your home and property services, whether it be a serve pro, you know, water mitigation or insulation or gutters or dumpsters, you know, things that we're already using you know, we're paying someone else for it. Why don't we do that and then provide it to others as well? So that's very common. You know, another track of thinking is, hey, I'm more involved in commercial real estate and I've got relationships out there and I'm really good at site selection and think I know more than the franchisor does about finding good locations. You know, so sometimes people want to flex that muscle, you know, with maybe Mm -hmm. more of a, um, you know, brick and mortar type franchise. So, you know, we have service space that are non brick and mortar. Then we have some that are brick and mortar. Um, You know, but directionally, People are liking businesses that are, you know, economically resilient. You know, people will always spend on their kids, their pets, their aging parents, you know, to some degrees, their homes, their health. So categories like that are really where we see a lot of interest these days. Um, You know, we we touched briefly on the executive semi-absentee model to kind of finish that thought. Probably two thirds of our clients are looking to go that path. Then we have another third that say, hey, we want to make the jump from our nine to five and you know, jump in and, and run the business full time. Oftentimes there's a hybrid. Maybe they want to jump in and run it full time for a year and then step back and put a manager in place and then move on to the next opportunity and build that up. That's very, very common. Um, you know, sometimes they'll start out, you know, with semi absentee, put a manager in place and they say, once that business builds up and I can afford to step away from the benefits I get from my day job, um, you know, they'll go that path. And if they're if they're in the camp of like I'm very interested, but they might not know, they might not have the perfect plan. Are, are, can they still reach out to you, and will you help them kind of break down the things that they need to learn or get gain clarity before they move forward? Absolutely, no. We, that's kind of where we bring in the value and that and the relationships with the franchisors. But yeah, I, I'm happy to offer a free copy of our book to all of your listeners. I think that could be a really good primer and a good kind of baby step into kind of filling in the gaps of understanding around how franchising works and to see whether it may may or not be right for them. But we offer case studies in there. We offer, you know, examples of franchises out there. Um, you know, their clients are getting involved in, um, but no, probably 90% of our clients come to us and say, Hey, we don't know what we're looking for. And probably 90% of them end up in something that was never on their radar. Yeah. And so it's really, <laughs> really fun when those light bulbs go on and they say, Gosh, they look at their spouse. I never thought about that. That makes a ton of sense. When we talked, you talked about gutters, and I was like, I never thought about gutters. Um, yeah. But but then then a couple weeks later, I find myself cleaning the gutters, and and be th- I was thinking about you the whole time. So, yeah. um, is, is that that is that an example of like a gutter franchise that you can? Is it gutter cleaning or what is what what is it? That's a smaller piece of the business. It's more gutter installations. Six billion dollar industry, and, I, and I'll touch on the financial piece. And you know, the gutter business, we had ten clients buy into last year. You know, it was a popular one. It's, you know, it does have stronger financials than than some. So, but this will be more aspirational. What does exist out there? All in investment, you're around two hundred thousand. That's franchise fees, startup costs, working capital for a few months, all built in. 
Um, their franchisees are averaging about a million five in revenue and they're dropping like 26% to the bottom line, EBITDA, end of the day. So you're talking, what is that? You know, uh, you know, in the ballpark of 400,000, give or take. And that's after paying an operator. Yeah. You know, with that one, I think it is, that math is you're working in the business, but let's say you pay an operator, you know, a hundred thousand a year, yeah. 300,000 bottom line on an initial investment of 200,000. Yeah. Now that's not necessarily going to be your, you know, you may have to ramp up to that over a couple of years. Right. But with this particular franchise system, they've got franchisees that did over a million in year one. So th- yeah. that is possible. And, and so that's a good example. I mean, things, again, like insulation, dumpsters. I mean, those non-sexy. I joke that non-sexy is the new sexy. Yeah. People yeah. want understandable cash flow businesses that don't require a ton of employees, that Amazon isn't going to disrupt, that you know, pandemic may or may not disrupt depending on the state you're in. What happens if you get into a franchise and it just doesn't work? Is there, are there, are you able to resell it back to the franchise, like franchise or how does that work? Cause I'm sure that with all the people that you've worked with, you've probably had people that regretted their decision. Yeah, we've had a couple. I mean, it definitely is the minority, thankfully. Um, you know, but maybe it ended up not being the right fit or just more work than they thought it would. And typically, you know, you wouldn't sell it back to the franchise or necessarily. I mean, you could always just give them the keys back, um, you know, take the tax right off. But, you know, typically what I would encourage someone to do is, you know, reach out to the franchisor. And this is after they've provided a lot of support to you, try to get you back on track. Uh, but if it ultimately comes to that point, um, you know, they probably have a list of people that have shown interest in your territory over the years um, or over the months. And so that's a good natural lead, lead list to start with. Um, then you can put it on websites like Biz Buy Sell or others that get a lot of eyeballs. Certainly you could work with a broker, uh, you know, on the resale. You just went to haircut it a little bit. Um, you know, but uh, end of the day, you know, if there are assets associated with the business, like vehicles, let's say, or equipment, mm-hmm. you can probably sell those components off to other franchisees in the system. And maybe you sell them at 80% or 90% of the value. You know, you take a haircut, but you're not out everything. Um, right. And, then trying and, you, to re- and you say it's rare because you take people through a process and it's like, yeah. it's one of those things that you don't make a decision overnight. There's, there's a process and um, pros and cons. What, what kind of investment do you need up front? I mean, you said, you said, you know, the gutter business, 200,000. If you, is there a range of like, what are some of the minimum capital that you would need to even like consider something like this? Do you need to be accredited? And on the flip side, what's the most amount of money that someone's paid for a non-food food franchise? Yeah, we, I mean, we've done seven-figure deals for sure, but I'd say a lot of what our clients are getting involved in, again, franchise fee, which you pay up front, your startup cost, and then a couple of months of working capital built into a range. A lot of things are in the 150 to 400 range, kind of like that gutter example. So quite a few businesses there. Um, a lot of our clients will buy multiple locations out of the gate and, you know, it's not that you launch them all day one, but you kind of, you know, it gives you a path to grow over time. Maybe every 12 months you launch another one. Um, you know, it's not that people are paying cash necessarily. I mean, in some cases they do, but in a lot of cases they may put 50,000 in cash down plus an SBA loan, or they may use an old retirement plan and roll that over through what's called a ROBS program. Certainly you can use a portfolio loan or a HELOC. There are a lot of different ways to fund it. Um, franchises do have requirements around net worth and liquid capital. I'd say those are kind of the quantifiable requirements they have. Um, you know, but a lot of times that net worth, you know, if it's 250, 300, that qualifies you for quite a few franchises. Um, 
you know, again, if you get into the food arena and some of those larger, really heavy brick and mortar businesses, you know, it would be north of that. Yeah. And that's, again, if you're, if you're listening to this and have a, have an entrepreneurial mindset and being like, Hey, I know a who I know some people that work hard or could have this opportunity and see this as an alternative investment. I would just encourage you to reach out, get the book and um, I'm just I'm just a fan of people thinking differently, and uh, I just love the concept of the franchise. Yeah, no, it's a great fit for a lot of people, and uh, yeah, we love helping them kind of find the right opportunity to step into it, and then we love it when they come back and buy more. Uh, we yeah. see that on a very regular basis. I, I love that. Um, do you have off the top of your head like the top ten or top fifteen? I know that's tough because you said like there's about 60, but and I know you gave some categories like health. And I know that when we were talking in person, I was like drilling you on health because I'm just like naturally curious about the health space. And you're talking about gutters and other things. Is there like, is there certain franchises and of that are like popular or people that are, that are interested in that might just like surprise the listener? Cause I'm, I'm sure it's, yeah. it's something that we're not in day in, day out. Yeah, no, I'll give you some that we've done in recent weeks here, just kind of, you know, where we've had multiple clients do them in recent weeks, you know, just kind of show the level of popularity. Um, and I won't get into like the brand and everything because sometimes there's state requirements or there's, yep. you know, not availability. I just don't want people going down a rabbit tangent hole, you know, reach out if you're interested. But, um, you know, senior care, a uh, great model there that's a better mousetrap for in-home senior care. People want to age in place, especially in the age of COVID. The founder has like, I don't know, 40 years of experience in the industry, you know, built a better mousetrap there. So we've had, I don't know, nine or 10 clients buy into that this year already. Um, men's health, gosh, testosterone replacement therapy. It's everywhere. Everyone's got an opinion on it, but all I know is that is a fast, fast growing industry without a dominant player until now. So we've got one that, I mean, they, they brought on, I think 50 franchisees in the past, like two months. I mean, they're wow. just on fire. It's blown me away. We've had four clients sign up already. Um, neat business um you know in in the uh, kind of shifting gears to the property services arena uh concrete paving and line striping non-sexy b2b recurring revenue in a lot of cases uh, i'm actually invested in this one myself up in minneapolis um you know we, we i'm passive in that one I, i've got a buddy that started it up there but I mean, this one's been growing fast i've had a lot of clients i've got a client that's going to do a million dollars in revenue in his first year with that one wow um I, my latest franchise purchase uh, and i'm going to the ribbon cutting for this next tuesday down in delray florida um it's a model where the franchisor is actually going to run the business for me it's i kind of worked with them on this arrangement it's it's pretty rare but there are a few franchises that will do this so it's almost totally passive but it's custom orthotics and footwear catering to an older demographic. And so great demographics down there around the Boca area. Uh, really excited about that one. I'm, I keep looking at the daily sales every so often on my, on my phone, which is kind of fun. Um, you know, but I mean, we're still doing some oil changes in some States, you know, we're still doing, uh, you know, some fitness, uh, again, there's a sea of sameness out there, but we'll find ones in the category that we like to differentiate, uh, from others. Um, Oh, one last, two last ones I'll mention. Dog training. Oh, wow. <laughs> Niche business. Everybody's got a dog. Everyone needs them trained. I, I've got clients, multiple clients that have bought into this one. They're just killing it. Killing it. With, with businesses like that, I imagine that the startup cost wouldn't be yeah. 150. Like it would be You're about 100,000. Okay. Yeah. And what is that? hundred? What is, and, and you're buying like a territory and are you getting? Yeah. 
a couple hundred thousand in population, they work with you on defining that territory and you know, they're running a lot of the marketing for you. They provide all the training for you um, and then they're supporting you along the way. Mm. Uh, another uh, final one I'll mention, just kind of cap off different categories uh, in the kids space. Great soccer business that complements current soccer leagues. That they do lessons, they do clinics. You don't have to have your own facility; you rent a facility. Hmm. Um, you know, but it, this is another one you can get into for right around a hundred thousand dollars all in, and, uh, and that includes working capital. But you know, private equity backed on this one. They had thirteen corporate locations. They were kicking butt, averaging one point two million in revenue per location. They said, "Hey, let's franchise this." And uh, it, yeah, it's just been growing rapidly. We've had seven or eight clients. A lot of young couples buying into it. And they just have a passion. I mean, it gives you a chance to get involved in the community, you know, it, it, and there are a lot of would-be soccer coaches out there that you can bring in to, uh, to lead the training. Now, if you're someone listening to this and is not happy with their job, not happy with the business that you're running, and you're just like, hey, I want to wipe my hands clean and, and potentially just go into, into a franchise. Obviously, this is someone that's probably different than, you know, looking at this as an investment. They're less emotional about it. And there, it's probably more emotional decision when you're looking at your time as well as your money. What would, what kind of things would you be saying? Because you've coached people through this. What, what questions should they be asking? And um, what, what, what would you say to that person listening or, or watching right now? Yeah, you know, I'd say first off on the financial side, you know, you probably need to have a net worth of at least one hundred fifty thousand. You know, you may be able to go a little bit lower, but I'd say if you're not there yet, that's something to kind of work towards. You just want to make sure you're comfortable stepping into the business. Um, yeah, but I think it's, you know, are you a self-starter? Are you willing to follow direction, you know, from the franchisor? I mean, you don't want to go in and pretend like you're the smartest guy in the room just because you work for a marketing agency. You think you're smarter than all their marketing people. Like, don't buy a franchise. Just go do your thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think going in with that level of humility, I you know, what I found were the characteristics of our best franchisees. When I was at Shelf Genie uh, franchise system, we had franchise owners all across North America. And I got to see our top performers, our middle performers, those that had a little bit of catching up to do. It, it came down to their ability to follow the system. And that sounds cliche, but it's so true. That's why you're buying into a franchise. Follow the system and to their ability to work with people, whether that be be an employer that people want to work for, you know, work well with clients, work well with the franchise or with vendors. Uh, it's the people skills, I'd say, is the other piece. And at the end of the day, it's not rocket science. If you have a work ethic and you like people and you want to build your own empire, those are some of the main things. I love it. I love it. What other, what other questions or statements are, are to be made around this whole franchise business? And then I would also love to, for people to be able to get your um, contact info or the next best step if they're interested in getting the book or talking to you. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're seeing unprecedented interest from where we sit in the industry. I mean, our consulting business was up 30% last year. We're up 90% this year. I mean, and again, I think multiple factors. Part of it's the real estate arena, people migrating over from there. It's also, uh, you know, COVID caused a lot of people to question the path they're on. They've been kicking the can down the road and they're saying, hey, now's the time to let, let's make a move. So yeah, you see a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of corporate executives, a lot of mid-management, but then a lot of people earlier in their career. So really there's not a time that's too early to start. Um, but yeah, we're seeing great interest out there. And I hear a lot of common threads amongst a lot of different backgrounds. Um, but yeah, if you want to take a next step, like I said, you know, happy to share a copy of our book called non-food franchising. Certainly if you want to buy it on Amazon, all the proceeds go to hope international. It's a great nonprofit that we support. Um, but if you'd like a free copy, um, you know, certainly come out to our website, share your email address. My assistant will reach out with uh, downloadable links there. 
And I think that can be a really good first step. And then from there, if you're ready to have a conversation, you know, would be happy to get on a call, you know, with your listeners and just uh, learn a little bit more about them and what they're looking to do. And if we can help in any way, uh, more than happy to. I'm 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 a better person because I bought the book on Amazon. So I'm I'm giving I'm I'm giving to to nonprofits, and so I, I love that you're doing that, man. Um, man, there's there's so many questions that I have. Like as you're as you're talking, I'm I'm just thinking through like one of the biggest things that we teach is the greatest inflation hedge is value creation. And so if somebody wants to really like, if, the, if there's unknowns in, in the future, what I can tell you is regardless if it's cash or if Bitcoin or whatever the currency is, it's going to be flowing to value creation. And that's why I'm a big fan of, of having your portfolio, at least having some of that money being, being, diversified from a standpoint of of that and i'm just i'm a fan of business i know that not everyone has like the true entrepreneurial itch but I, i'm just a fan of upthinking and investing in businesses and i think franchise definitely creates a lot less risk um and and you're and you have a track record and so john i i appreciate you i look forward to getting to know you better and um i my mind's going on a couple things that um, i'm excited about because i'm just thinking about my own situation and 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 as you've been talking about like buying in or investing in, my mind goes like, I wonder if there's a fund or if there's a group of people that can come together and, and invest in, in franchises. And you're probably, um, there's probably people like that. I don't know if there's any, like, is there any laws around that? Like, obviously this isn't a security. So is there any, any areas that you got to be careful when you're looking at like investing in a franchise? No, I mean, certainly we want a franchise attorney to review the agreement with you and everything get you properly set up from a, you know, LLC, let's say standpoint, but um, no, as far as groups, I mean, we have a lot of guys that will partner together. I mean, we just did one last week. Um, you know, it was four different partners from across the U S that came together, you know, and then one of them is going to be the one running it. So um, that, you know, I, I invested in that one in Minneapolis I mentioned, and that's one where you, we've got like 10 investors, I think. I mean, we took over all of Minneapolis and St. Paul, you know, we're going to own the market, but um, so no, it's, it's not uncommon. I think you're starting to see more of, that. I mean, of course, like anything it comes down to people. Invest in people. If you like the people that are behind the fund, great. I only invest in funds where I know the founder and I like the people behind it. But yeah, I love that. I love that, John. Last question I ask all of our um, people on the show is, um, and this is going to be this. Is gonna, we're going to take a direct left turn. I'm just letting you know. Um, if this was your last day on earth and you were with the people that you love the most, which I had the honor of meeting your wife, um, what would you say to them, knowing that this was your last day, and why would you say it? Um, I, I asked this question because a lot of times I can get to the heart of people's wisdom and what they really care about. And I just really value that. Um, what, what, what would that conversation look like? Yeah. You know, years ago before my grandfather passed, um, you know, I asked him for a piece of advice right before, uh, you know, and he was, when he was in his final days and, um, you know, without blinking, he said, you know, Proverbs three, five, and six, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. So that would be the theme, uh, behind what I say is, Hey, you know, there, there's a higher power. It's not me. You know, I, I'd want to leave that legacy to them. Uh, my wife and I were in Ireland this past week, traveling around, just, I uh, had a little vacation celebrating our 15th anniversary. And 
know, one thing we worked on uh, one of the days over there was our family values, mission and vision. And, you know, just studying uh, great folks. You know, I know you're familiar with David Green and Hobby Lobby and what he's done and others. How do you pass on to multiple generations, you know, the things that you care most about or most passionate about? So um, that would definitely be the center of the conversation. Um, But man, you got me thinking now. I love that, man. Well, I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you for coming on and sharing. I, I know that you're going to get a lot of a lot of the gears turning in, in our minds. Um, and I I'll, we'll make sure to put your contact information and where they can you know reach out to you and get a free copy of the book or have a conversation with you if they're interested in learning more. So, John, thank you. Yeah, enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.